fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about a hurricane of red pills with my friend Vienna. Okay. Is that like the red wave type of thing? Is that... When when we get to like what it is in reference to, it's not going to make any more sense then. <laughs> okay. But someone, I actually, now I can't remember if it's a tsunami of red pills or a hurricane. Of, it's some storm of red pills that I guess will red pill people. It's a red pill storm, if you will. Are sure. you ready for it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I, I'm hunkered down. You know, I've got my emergency, like, three-day survival kit, uh... You got yeah, blue pill I'm... sandbags to protect you. <laughs> yeah, sure. How are you, Vieto? Um, I'm all right. I'm a bit tired. Um, yeah, between like new job and um, you know, essay exam season, kind of just get my ass kicked. But such is life. Uh, yeah. Other than that, decent. How are you? I am, I'm decent, you know, I, I've been sleeping better, like I've, uh, you know, I was depressed for a while, I mean, I suffer from depression, so I guess depressed for a while is an understatement, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I realized that one of the things that I, I, I harm myself by doing is not sleeping properly, so I've made a, a concerted effort for this uh, past week and a bit to just go to bed on time and sleep well, and uh, it's great, you know? Getting the right amount of sleep. Who would have thought? It's like really good for you. <laughs> so we are. It, <laughs> it does make a difference, yeah. So we are actually recording uh, pretty early compared to when we normally record. But even then, I feel full of life and energy because I got the proper amount of sleep within the past week. So I guess uh, that's good. Humble bragging. <laughs> Uh, on that note, the, the episode itself is, uh, it's mostly, I mean, we're a bit delayed on stuff, so it's going to feel like a bit dated. We're mostly going to be talking about the trucker convoy uh, hearing, as Ezra would call it, even though it's called the Emergency Act inquiry. But the the funny thing is, we're going to get this whole week. This is the big finale. This, you know, Justin Trudeau was supposed to appear before the Emergency Act inquiry. So this is their final, like, hurrah that they hope to, like, get whatever they want out of it. And uh, I imagine most people at home probably have already forgotten about the Emergency Act inquiry, which should tell you that, I mean, whether or not the Emergency Act was justified or not, there's no, like thing that i guess ezra could use to like monetize off of you know there was yeah. no there was no big explosion but we will get to uh his coverage of it uh once we get done talking about another transphobe that's <laughs> but uh we might as well get to it hello my rebels hello my rebels i'm a good boy I'm a weirdo. So we're covering the week of November 21st to November 25th. 
And on the Monday, that was the, the Monday following the shooting at Club Q, which targeted the LGBTQ community of Colorado. And the reason why I bring that up is because it doesn't get mentioned on Ezra's show for the entire uh, week, uh, even though, I mean, not that I would expect them to address it, but the fact that they constantly go on about this anti-LGBTQ rhetoric on their show, I would have thought that maybe they would have to play some defense game or something. But instead of doing any of that, they invite James Lindsay on the show, one of their like most prominent transphobes that hops on the show, to talk about him getting his Twitter account reinstated. And for reminders, James Lindsay... Well, we've talked about James Lindsay before. He's been on the show several times now. He used to be an atheist, or he still is, but now he works for like a Christian fundamentalist group that... Uh, is trying to like remove first it was CRT and then it was like uh, against the the groomers teaching LGBTQ stuff to to school children and so he, Ezra keeps talking about how he was kicked off Twitter for saying okay, hashtag okay groomer but in reality he was kicked off Twitter because he sent a tweet to a trans activist calling them a child sex sexualization uh, expert or specialist. Child sexualization specialist, uh, which we'll get his explanation of why for that in a second. But, like, you know why he was doing that. Yeah. And Twitter knew why he was doing this and kicked him off. But, of course, now Twitter is run by a transphobe, and they were just like, okay, let's have James Lindsay have his account back. So that is, I guess, that that is the whole reason for why we get this interview, because now Ezra wants Lindsay onto the show to talk about how great it is that you got reinstated uh, on Twitter. Which is, like, when you think about it, really sad. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Like, the whole social media thing is just, like, you know, it's always been a nightmare, and now it's just, like, like it's not even trying anymore. You know, like, like, it's just being like, oh, yeah, we're a nightmare. Welcome to it. Give us money. There, There is like, I, I will say there is a qualitative like difference between the nightmare of like a panel or board that has commercial interests and the, like the single dictator figure. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, there is a qualitative difference. And it's interesting, you know, uh, not to say that the board was necessarily good because it clearly wasn't uh but it was like minimally better than what uh, elon is doing right now so that's that's an interesting thing to note yeah it, it's the liberals versus the cons or you know liberal democracy versus fascism like yeah one of them sucks so 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 much and <laughs> is incapable of like making a better world but the other one is just like oh yeah fuck making a better world we're gonna make a worse one actually <laughs> and just like yeah you know that's that's where we are yeah well at least well i mean in many spheres of our lives but definitely on twitter that's where we are yeah so we are told constantly by ezra including just last week in reference to kanye west and 
But even though, even in this timeline, I don't think Kanye West had been on Alex Jones yet, which <laughs> when I was going over the edit for la, our last episode, knowing that he already went on uh, uh, Alex Jones and proclaimed that he loved Hitler, uh, you know, the fact that Ezra was already defending him, I mean, it was pre the Hitler thing, but I don't even think Ezra is going to dive back into Kanye stuff now that Kanye has like come full out saying he loves Hitler. But uh, yeah. But what we got from Ezra was that we shouldn't be like pushing people underground. And this is like a, a talking point, like even in uh, our bonus episodes, uh, we talked about this recently because there was a liberal person that Ezra quoted saying like, if you push people underground, uh, it somehow makes the bad ideas get worse. Where instead what you need to do is have the bad ideas out in the open so we can all debate and discuss it in like the free marketplace of ideas. And that's just a, a not right. That's <laughs> just yeah. not right. Uh, and it's interesting because we have an example here where James Lindsay was kicked off Twitter. So he, he here's a perfect opportunity for him to assess this question. Did it hurt him? Or help him being kicked off Twitter. So here's how uh, Lindsay responds to that. Today I want to talk about you and your story a little bit and what it can teach us about Twitter and the censorship therein and if Elon Musk is to be trusted even just a little bit. I'm delighted that you're back on and able to communicate in that public forum. Well, I don't know if I'm delighted yet or not. It feels a bit like um, I got kicked out of an insane asylum and now I've been let back in and... <laughs> A little hesitant to go back, but all my friends are there, so I don't really know what to think about that. Uh, but you know, I do think it will be effective. I uh, unfortunately did notice some drop in my effectiveness, which I had hoped would not be the case. I think somebody told me that I was exiled from 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 Twitter land for something like 105 or something 106 days or something, and uh, unfortunately that was long enough to notice a a dip in my reach. Um, and so it's, it's good to get back for professional reasons, at least. <laughs> yes. Deplatforming people does hurt them, <laughs> which is why it's good to do for fascists. So they don't have their, as James Lindsay just put it. So they don't have their reach. Yeah. If, if they really thought the pushing these things underground made them worth worst theory, which they constantly say they wouldn't kick a fuss and complain and whine about being deplatformed all the time, right? Because then it's like, fine, deplatform me. It'll just make me stronger. <laughs> but no, they're like, every time, like when, when YouTube demonetized them, when PayPal stopped platforming them, like Ezra like threw a fit because they know it's going to hurt them. And also like, I don't know, like the, even if they are, you know, if they go underground and they're, they get worse or whatever, it's like, Okay, five people being extraordinarily shitty <laughs> is better than like 500,000 being, you know, just regular levels of shitty. Like, yeah, and by that size, then they could be like shitty out in the public street. I would rather like the five people be shitty in their like parents' basement than like <laughs> a thousand shitty people in the street, you know? Yeah, like. Shitty people in basements is better than shitty people in government. <laughs> I mean, this really is like uh, the one thing that I don't understand or like that liberals themselves can't comprehend. Because for them, like 
free speech is this thing they put on a platform that like we need to debate and discuss these things because like that's how a free society works and they assume uh inherently in that that like the good ideas will somehow float to the top and that's not how it works it, it's never worked that way i mean <laughs> Uh, I just look at like what's going on right now. The good ideas don't necessarily float up to the top. So, yeah, I, I, like I don't like I'm I'm pretty. I think that I have a pretty good stance on free speech. I I don't like like certain forms of repression. It's just like I think that there's some lines you can draw, including I don't know the promotion of hate towards other people. Maybe it's good that we don't allow that to happen. So that you don't have, like, the spread of hate crimes. I don't know. It seems like a good idea to me. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's like the, you know, when you talk about, like, oh, the marketplace of ideas and whatever. And it's like, okay, so you're talking about rage farming. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you're talking about building up as much controversy as possible because people will talk about that and then profiting off of it. Which is exactly what these kinds of people do. It doesn't matter, you know, it's one of those, like, you know, people are like, oh, are they true believers, blah, blah, blah. End of the other day, it doesn't matter that much in terms of, like, societal impact. It might matter a little bit for, like, you know, nerds like us who are curious about these people. But, like, they're making money off of it. You know, it's it's the marketplace doing what marketplaces do. Encouraging whatever profits the most. And, and part of that is because, like, it's feeding off of... A niche that exists like i wish that people weren't reactionary but there are people out there who might not be into the far right but just have reactionary tendencies and they're just waiting for like a rebel news video to pop up in their feed or like somehow a friend shares it with them and then it like confirms all their sort of like just like thoughts they've been stewing with about reactionary shit and then it's like it didn't matter whether or not that was like you know, it, 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 the best idea or not, it just happens that like we're a little bit more. Uh, I, I we're, we I think the the liberal ideal is that like we're these completely rational, intelligent creatures, and that like I don't know like Spock like when it's like no, we are emotional creatures compelled by like emotional arguments, and there's a lot of people out there that'll just be compelled by this shit, and so that's why. You want to not have it spread <laughs> because it, it doesn't matter whether the argument is good or not. Somebody's going to be like, yeah, I feel that too. And then they're goose stepping in the street with the rest of them, you know? Yeah. But yes, uh, I do love that. James Lindsay acknowledging that <laughs> deplatforming works. So thank you, Lindsay. It wouldn't be a James Lindsay segment without him going on about uh, some weird pseudo-intellectual shit that he's uh, researched and talked about. So I, I do want to play one. It's a longish clip about this, but it's so weird. He he somehow connects Marx with the Gnostics. Yeah. And somehow explains that that connection accounts for why he was banned from Twitter. Hell yeah. I think that if 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 we might allow to get a little nerdy for the moment, as you know, I recognize this so-called woke movement, which we could characterize all of this within as being, you know, a new manifestation of communism under kind of revamped, you know, neo-Marxist or critical Marxist theory. And if you read the literature in communism, they're, they're very, very clear 
that what the people means. Everything's supposed to be for the people, on the side of the people, to see from the people's standpoint. But it's very, very clear that what they mean by the people are the people who agree with them. And no one else quite qualifies as personhood. And so that impulse, that authoritarian impulse, I actually am now, the, the research that I'm engaging in now, is starting to point me to conclude that what that comes from is, in fact, something far older than communism, something far further back in history than Karl Marx or uh, Hegel or Oettinger or any of these kind of German philosophers, if you will, that they came up with this stuff that we're dealing with today in the modern era, at the end of the modern era. Uh, it is, in fact, a, an ancient religion known as Gnosticism. And the Gnostics are literally elevated above other people. They they have the correct consciousness and they they therefore have the capacity to determine who counts as a person and who doesn't. Uh, who who can get away with crimes because they get special permission and who has to be punished. And as as you pointed out, they're particularly sensitive because what they're doing is playing word games uh, about being beaten at word games. And so they understand that there's much power in language. And I, in fact, didn't get canceled from Twitter uh, just as a small point of fact for using the word groomer specifically. I actually got in trouble for that. And then I deleted all of my OK Groomer tweets knowing that the writing was on the wall with that word. And I said, okay, child sexualization specialist to one of the same people. So I played a bit of a word game myself and I beat a leftist at a word game and found myself, you know, sent to Siberia as you, if you will, uh, for, for, for doing so. And so you can kind of see this, this is, this I think is, um, exactly how their mentality is. But the, mo the most important part is the people who aren't part of the ideology don't count as people from the perspective of the ideology, which is extraordinarily dangerous and extraordinarily uh, contrary to, you know, broadly liberal societies. See, that's, that's what's going on here. The, the Marxists going all the way back to the Gnostics think that people are only those who agree with them. And therefore you send people to Siberia for wrong think on social media. <laughs> Did the Gnostics murder people? I thought they I, were mostly pacifists. Like, I don't even. He even said that they were like the the high echelon of society or something like that. I thought they were also just like, you know, like intellectuals, like people who just like thought about scriptures and like spiritual stuff. Like, I didn't. Yeah. No. No. He was saying that they like in their view elevated themselves above others because like they had the true knowledge is what he was saying okay sure um, i mean but even then it wasn't a like a co like they talk like gnosticism is like a way of like approaching religion it wasn't like mm -hmm. the gnostics were a single th entity you know because <laughs> yeah. the gnostics were like bickering amongst themselves about like the true reading of a text or or religion. Wow, they they are just like Marxists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just found this like so. Like why? Also, it's like I want to know like in his head like how this is supposed to help his analysis. Like if you just like oh the Marxism you could trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. <laughs> just, when like I like why why does it help like. It's it. This is why it's like pseudo intellectual. It's because it's like it helps them sound smart by like, oh, you can make all these connections. This is connected to this, but it's like, yeah. I mean, everything is connected to everything if you go back far enough. <laughs> sure, why not?
But how does this help your argument? And how does how does this relate to you on fucking Twitter playing word games? And I love like he said he played word games to defeat the leftist. But like, who got kicked off Twitter, James? And also like, how did saying like a two word difference from a thing like beat the this supposed leftist? Like, what like what is what is winning in this context? Like. Oh, you you said the magic set of words and their head exploded. Like what? Even then, like I'm I'm trying to think because like he was like he was saying it as if like instead of saying okay groomer, by saying child sexualization specialist, he was somehow I guess like uh creating a euphemism or like not not quite the exact same thing but like skirt the censors to a certain extent but like child sexualization specialist almost sounds worse to me than okay groomer it has like almost like like and i don't know if that's just because like groomer is like used in many different contexts but like is just a type of behavior you know but child sexualization specialist almost is like just calling someone a pedophile so it like yeah. it it just seems to me like that would uh, if anything get you a quicker ban than <laughs> just using okay groomer, especially when you're just targeting a trans person for being trans, which is what he did in this case. No, he said the special incantation and he won because of it. Or we we all lose because it somehow goes back to the Gnostics and they're just good at playing word games or something. <laughs> he was doing. Uh, anti-gnostic magic and um cast cast a spell that um simultaneously defeated the left and uh propelled him off of twitter i also one one last thing before we move on uh move on i also love the whole like notion that like somehow the marxists only view people as those who agree with them and, you know, as someone who's read a lot of Marxist literature, I have never gotten <laughs> I've never gotten that opinion from any of the Marxist literature. You know, even even when they talk about working class, it doesn't mean everyone in the working class are those who agree with us. Like, <laughs> in fact, they're aware that the working class is like they have a specific class interest that they all share. But they don't share every, everything else, you know. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's just, I love the, oh, wow, everything that has um, small microsects uh, is actually Marxism. Uh, so Protestantism is Marxism. Um, you know, just like Coke versus Pepsi is Marxism. Uh, like just any anything that has dividing lines is actually marxism anything that believes um any has any opinions about people but but in the marx i mean the only difference is like he's saying that like it's not just that they're drawing the lines but that the lines distinguish those the in group who are people and the out group who are not people and like i can think of one ideology that like really does do that kind of differentiation and it's the one that james lindsay is like aligned with in being part of a christian fascist organization and not the marxists who generally don't don't have that kind of distinction (laughs) 
at least not inherent to the Marxism. Like, I'm sure there's Marxists that draw that up about, uh, you know, for other reasons other than their Marxism. Yeah. What what an intellectual, though. I'm so glad every time he brings up Hegel, Marx, he even, Artinger, and I didn't even know who that is. Do you know who that is? No. He just said a German word, and I was like, I feel like he's making it up. Ottinger? Ottinger? But either way. The next, so I, I do want to play, I kind of hummed and hawed about whether I was going to play this, but I am going to play it, because like, again, it, James Lindsay, you might be thinking, oh, he's just like trying to play these games, he's not really transphobic or whatever, but this one clip I'm going to play, it's super short, but he's just talking about how the Babylon Bee got kicked off Twitter, because they made a transphobic joke against Rachel Levine, and just look how disgusted James Lindsay is in talking about Rachel Levine and discussing her name. And then the next thing you know, Twitter decided to lock the Babylon Bee out for making a joke about uh, Richard Levine, if I remember correctly, or Rachel or whatever the hell we're supposed to call this person. Speaking for the person who was just saying that Marxists were the one who like D people like the other. And here James is just like, fucking whatever we have to call this person like oh whatever and it's like what you can't just use their name this is this is back to the previous point but i guess ertinger is a um a lutheran <laughs> theologian <laughs> like he's just a german dude there wasn't even much on his wikipedia like well you see it's it all goes back to marxism these Germans, you know, they can't help it. God, I love, I love James Lindsay. What a, what a clown. But yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, he just instantly is like, oh, transphobia. That's it. That's all he's got. And, but like, I don't know, like, it's also the fact that this episode was again about one day after a mass shooting occurred towards LGBTQ mm -hmm. people. And to like, again, like, that should be the, I guess, where the outrage is directed. But instead, it's because this one person goes by Rachel Levine. That that's, that's the thing where it's like, oh my god, we've gone too far. Society is collapsing. What the hell are we doing? This is nonsense kind of like thing. And it's like, no, you, you are the bigot. You're the person trying to uh, deperson people. Yeah. Ezra then uh, asks Lindsay... What would happen if Twitter is removed from the App Store? Now, at this point in the, I guess, timeline, Musk was tweeting a lot about this on social media, about how Apple was going to remove them from the iTunes Store. We are the app, Apple App Store, whatever the hell it's called. I use Android. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it turns out, like, that was just a bunch of bullshit. Like, no one even from Apple told him that this was going to happen. But he was just, like, creating controversy by, like, tweeting about it until finally Apple was just like, it's not, we, we hadn't even thought about doing this. Mm -hmm. It was never going to happen. But this is, I guess, Lindsay responding to whether or not he's afraid of Twitter being deplatformed from these uh, apps. Which is, like, remember, like, for when it deplatformed him, it was, like, a bad thing because it, it, like, prevented his reach. And now this is his opinion that what if, like, Twitter gets removed from the app stores? 
I am not worried about that. I don't lose a minute of sleep about that. And the reason isn't because I don't think the concern is real. It's because I would love to see the mask come off to that degree. I would love to see the, um, I think we'd be up to a category 11 hurricane of red pills that would fall from the parlor maneuver where the, the play store and the, uh, I store or whatever it's called on Apple, Apple store, the app stores get rid of Twitter or the servers are cut out from under. I would love to see them crush Twitter and just watch people stare in wide-eyed amazement at how scary the world that they live in currently actually is and let it come to the point. I would prefer that that doesn't happen, but I win either way. Either we have a space that enables at least ostensibly more free speech that um, is kind of the bedrock of what this uh, nation or this kind of liberal experiment throughout the world is 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 built on, or the regime reveals itself in a way that again is so un unambiguous that they um, frighten and uh, awaken and possibly even radicalize people by the tens or maybe hundreds of millions. Oof, hundreds of millions of people will be red pilled in the hurricane of red pills, <laughs> category eleven. Hurricane of Red Pills. Category 11 Gnostic Marxism. I... Th this is so silly in many ways. In part because it's like it should be obvious to anyone. Like, he sounds sincere when he says this. But it should be, like, obvious to anyone that, like, there is going to be some people that react the way that he's describing, but they're the people who already are, quote-unquote, red-pilled. Mm -hmm. Uh but everyone else who's dancing on the grave of Twitter already is not going to care if Apple is the one to like pull the plug on this disaster because everyone already sees it as a disaster. And like the tides have like completely turned on like Elon Musk being this like, oh, Hyperloop green car space engineer dude to like the guy who like spent. 40 billion dollars on a pet project that he is running into the ground yeah it's all so strange a hundred million people though red pilled because, <laughs> because twitter gets denied a spot on the apple store app yeah like one that doesn't remove the app from people's phones that already have it downloaded it just means they wouldn't be able to, like, new people wouldn't be able to download it, and people, like, there wouldn't be any updates. So, I imagine most people who use Twitter on mobile already have the app, and I don't think there's a lot of people, like, suddenly signing up for Twitter these days. So it, it wouldn't make a fucking difference, like... I wonder how many people use Twitter. Like, is it even close to 100 million people? I mean, imagine, um, I imagine a lot of people are using Twitter, but... I mean, like, in a hundred million quantifying as, like, individual people. Because it would be hard to assess, like, based on accounts. Because, like, I have two accounts, right? Yeah. In January, Twitter had 396.5 million users. So that's individual users. But, like, again, that could be different accounts uh, and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it could be close, but, like, I don't think... Even if you were to say, like, there's 100 million people there using the app, I, I don't think all of them are going to be, quote-unquote, red-pilled from this. Because, like, I think, too, is that most most people, 
are like how you sort of expressed earlier on in this podcast, have like a love-hate relationship with social media, which is like aligned with even what Lindsay was saying earlier, where it's like, I think he referred to it as the insane asylum. It's like, yeah. even, even though he's aware that it hurt his reach, he is still aware of how like negative social media can be on our lives. So it's like, I think a lot of people just would either move on to another social media thing or just like stop caring rather than be like, I don't know, diluged with a drown in the red pills. Um, Okay. According to global data, uh, Twitter has a total of 229 million uh, monetizable daily active users. And that was in quarter one of 2022. So not a lot of people to red pill there um, <laughs> around 23 percent of americans i think have a twitter account but you see if it's a category 11 the winds will be so hard that'll be blowing the red pills at everyone so yes Everybody even though it's not on twitter mountains of them <laughs> you know basements will flood with red pills fish will be swimming amongst red pills in subways They'll be trying to think of other things that happen during hurricanes. Uh, I'll be like the fish start quoting like men's rights screams. <laughs> so pumped up on the red pill. They just start rambling about Gnosticism. Yeah. <laughs> or wouldn't wouldn't the red pill be the anti-Gnosticism? Because it's like. Well, yeah, that's why they're rambling about oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gnostics are bad. <laughs> Burn all the Gnostics. <laughs> Oh you my know what? god. I think I think that would kind of prove like I think that would be lead to a major revival in Gnosticism if fish started being <laughs> vocally anti-Gnostic. <laughs> I think that would definitely lead people to be like, oh, there's something going on here. Yeah, we gotta we gotta think more deeply about our religious text here because it did not prepare us for the talking fish. <laughs> yeah. Swimming in pills. Just quoting men's rights shit at us. Maybe we gotta figure this out. <laughs> oh my god. What a what a world. What a <laughs> Oh my god. It like They then they spend a long time ending the show talking about this like weird cause like Ezra's getting like doomer pilled now because of what like Lindsay is saying. And he's like, it's, there's, as Ezra reflects on, like, Jeffrey Epstein and claims that, like, Epstein's uh, death confirms that conspiracy theories are true and how we're, like, because of that, we're approaching these dark times where, like, the global cabals are all, like, all over the place, pulling the strings and whatnot. And Lindsay, like, responds with kind of, like, a hopeful message that's, like, shrouded in this, like, World War II analogy that was kind of hard for me to follow. But I guess, like, the way to, to sum up what he tries to say, he says that, like, where they're at right now is, like, you're, they were the Allied forces, like, approaching Berlin. So, like, World War II isn't, like, over, but, like, you know, they're walking past the the, like, death camps and stuff like this so everything seems dark and gloomy but like they're almost winning the war so it's like even though it really seems dark and gloomy it's only because they're a few steps away from berlin 
the Soviet red pilled army is. <laughs> I d- yeah, uh, yeah. I just love like again the, they're Ezra just last week was defending someone supporting <laughs> supporting Hitler and like uh, spouting out anti Semitic shit. But of course, they would be the ones. Ezra and Lindsay would be the ones marching towards Berlin. (sighs) (laughs) Ezra then ends by praising Lindsay's return to Twitter. And Lindsay responds with like the highest level of discourse. I'm delighted that you're back on Twitter, not just for your own sake, but for the reaction it's causing in the bad guys. And that's that's even more delicious, if I may say. I, I want to ask They're you about Don. very upset at the moment. I don't know if you saw. I, I tweeted a picture of myself. I visited the UK last week. I actually, they'll be quite upset when it comes out. I was invited to debate whether woke culture has gone too far at the Oxford Union. And uh, But while I was in the UK, I paid my visits to Karl Marx's grave and uh, took a picture pretending to urinate on it. And they're just losing their marbles over this. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, at least you didn't tear down the statue. That's the that's the move of the left. All I did was stand there with my hands near my waist. I didn't even do anything. So, <laughs> um, what a coward! You, you like seriously? I'm more offended that he didn't piss on the grave. Like, if you're gonna fucking do it, just fucking commit to the bit. Don't be a fucking coward. That would have been a great headline: James James Lindsay arrested for public urination <laughs> on Karl Marx's grave. It's like have have some sort of like I don't know like to me like that's that's it it's just this like faux like trolling bullshit it's like commit to it it's not like Marx is gonna care Marx is fucking dead <laughs> who's gonna care fucking pee on the grave go for it bud and I don't even like he says people are losing their marbles who this is the first time I've heard about this usually like when James Lindsay does something that like causes commotion I hear about it. I did not hear about this at all, which tells me that Marxists are just like, you're an idiot. Yeah. That, like, we've said many times, like, like he jokes about tearing the, or Ezra jokes about tearing the statue down, and I don't think, burn all statues. I don't care. We don't need statues of people. Yeah, and, like, you know, just looking up briefly because I wanted to see where it was. Um, just like to see if he had to go like far out of his way for it. And doesn't seem like it. It's in like North London. It did suffer two bomb attacks in the seventies. Hell yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're going to do something, yeah, you gotta, you have things that you need to top, you know, like it gets vandalized all the time. It probably gets pissed on all the time. Do something bigger. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Shoot red pills right into it. (laughs) Yeah. No, but this is the thing. They're a bunch of cowards. And like, and juvenile cowards as well. Like, I love them. Like, ho, 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 we really trolled them. It's always framed in this, like, we've just, like, shocked and trolled the libs when it's like, really? That's all you got? But that's it. That's the James Lindsay coverage. And uh, the rest of the week is uh, primarily about the trucker stuff. Although, as you'll see, I, I don't have much to say about most of it. So on November 22nd, Ezra whines about uh, a bunch of the inquiry stuff, but he doesn't say anything that's worth talking about. Like it's it's always framed in the context of like oh like the government just did these wrong things, but like they 
it, they don't like expand on it. They don't give any info on like what they did with that was wrong. So it's like, how am I supposed to cover this? And then usually what he does is he goes over like clips from his like colleagues who they will say, oh yeah, I was on the ground and these things were happening and none of the things that were happening are all that interesting. And then Ezra usually ends by playing a bunch of clips like Alexa being uh, shot with the rubber bullet to be like, look what, look what they did to us. (laughs) So during the beginning of the interview segment, he begins the interview segment by talking again about Alexa and the fact that uh, she was shot. And again, I think we've already covered this, but I think it's worth just sort of like highlighting it again because this is so fucking silly. So I will frame it like uh, at least in terms of what happened to Alexa, even though we've said it like a bunch of times, is there was this police line moving forward uh, and Rebel News put the reporters right in the front line of like the protest. And you, if you've seen any protest at all, you know that if you're if you're standing in front of the police with their riot shields, like you're going to be the ones who are pushed back against. And most like reporters stay to the side and know not to be in the middle because if you're in the middle, you're a part of the protest. So of course, what Rebel News did was they had their reporters right at the front of the line, right in the middle of the crowd. And so once the police st- line started to advance. Like, Alexa did get, like, some of the police force against her. And I'm not saying that's right, because, like, I'm against police force generally. But she was likely hit with a rubber bullet. They made it sound like she was, like, shot with, like, uh, like the, the tear gas canister, but no tear gas was deployed. So my guess is it was either she was hit by a baton or shot with a rubber bullet. But this is how, uh... Ezra refers to to that scenario. I think the police uh, were abusive on the ground in many cases. Of course, they shot our reporter, Alexa Lavoie. Thousands of protesters, thousands of police. You tell me, is it a coincidence that the one person shot by police happened to be a Rebel News reporter? Is that likely to be just random chance? We'll find out we're suing that police officer. How? <laughs> how how would the police know to specifically target her in that scenario? Yeah. And not only that, like with she was not the only one that was hit with a projectile at all in that incident. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, they fire these things kind of indiscriminately into the crowd to stop them from doing the stuff, you know. And I guess they're suing the police officer now. I mean, like, part of me is like, sure, go for it. But like, everyone in that crowd then should be able to sue the police officers. And probably probably could be a class action or like whatever, because sometimes that happens to these things. But it is going to go nowhere, sadly. You know. Let them fight, you know? (laughs) It just seems so weird that, like, the the weird conspiracy brain thing, like, somehow, like, how would that chain of command work? Like, somehow, like, the the upper people, like, if you see any Rebel News reporters, you got to, like, target them specifically. So then when, like, the line of police officers move 
one of them goes, oh, this is my, this is my moment, and shoots her in the leg with a rubber bullet. Trudeau had his uh, mind implant in the guy yeah. and actually just <laughs> took over his body briefly. Um, it's not even the cop's fault. It, it was just Trudeau. So, yes, I believe this is something we've talked about before. It's just like, I can't believe, like, this is the one thing. He's, he's promoted that Alexa video so much since it's happened. It's almost been a mm-hmm. year now. And I, I believe he's played that clip once a week since it's happened. Every time about Alexa being shot. And, I, and like, to be honest, we don't even know if she was shot. There's no evidence of the video. All we hear is her going, ah! <laughs> you know? And, like, uh, it's quite possible that it was, like, pepper pellets. It could have been, like, the baton. It could have been, like, maybe she was hit by, like, a boot as they, like, walked forward. It could have been so many things. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, a... Like, dude, that's your employee. Like, why are you using whatever occurred to her as a, like, fundraising thing, you know? Like, it's so... It's all so gross. I mean, it's it's like a two-way thing because they're the types of people who probably see the benefit in grifting off it, too. But then it's also, yeah. to me, the ickier part is, I guess, like... There must have been a top-down message to get the Rebel News reporters right in the front of the lines so that they could get footage like that. And mm-hmm. that, to me, is the more worrying thing. And like we've said this a bunch of time about David Menzies as well. It's like there's either an incentive or someone is dictating to like go put yourself in harm's way so that we then have this like material to grift off of. Which to me is like that's, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a, a ton of violations for employee rights and shit like that. Not not that their employees would necessarily care, because they've also drank the Kool-Aid, but... Rebel News unionizes. <laughs> they should. That would be awesome if they did. The guest is some JCCF lawyer who's talking about the convoy, uh... In Korea, and again, nothing important comes out of it, so nothing worth highlighting. But at one point, uh, Ezra does mention that he thinks that uh, global news journalist Rachel Gilmore is being directed to like promote anti-convoy pieces, and there's no evidence other than like it's some sort. There's some like liberal thing, and it's dictating what the reporters talk about. And the only reason I wanted to highlight this is because like Rachel Gilmore. Uh, has been getting it a lot lately. She had a, a a TikTok that she put out the other day highlighting all the harassment that she's been getting and death threats. Uh, and I know that Ezra is going to be talking about it in a few weeks. But again, this Ezra talking about this right now is before her putting out that TikTok. And so it's like, it just highlights that they, she has been like on like like them talking about Alexa being shot, they talk about Rachel Gilmore being this like young woman reporter who just hates the truckers and is con- to the truckers and is controlled by the liberals and really are sicking their fans uh, after her. So yeah, no, like every tweet, her replies are just like full of the most vile shit. Yep, and and it's like. 
I bet having that Twitter is part of her job too, so it's not like she can just like take an extended break from it or something. Like it's just, I don't know. It's a nightmare. Yeah, and so uncalled for. It's like, like I've read her pieces. They're pretty straightforward. She just happens to be on the like the beat covering the truckers. And contrary to what Rebel News thinks, the truckers were not good. <laughs> so she has a lot of, like, just factual statements to say about them, which paints them in a poor light. And that's not the fault of her. That's the fault of the trucker people. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, we again, I think it's a, it'll be in two two episodes from now or an episode from now. We will talk more about Rachel Gilmore because Ezra addresses that, uh, that post in particular. The other thing that I really hate about the Rachel Gilmore stuff is every time they talk about her on anything, they use the image of her uh, where she got the COVID shot, which shows her in like a loose blouse, which uh, is then used to sexualize her because we've heard David Menzies constantly on the show sexualize her because of that image as well. So it just Mm -hmm. grosses me out that that's what they use to advertise talking about her constantly. You know? Yeah. You could choose any image you want, but you're going to be, and it's like to, it's also to like, uh, I guess like, uh, use it to sort of like, like, oh, you shouldn't take this person seriously because like, look at the way that they dress, you know, they're not a serious news reporter. They're showing cleavage or like some like weird shit like this, you know, uh, and it just grosses me out. So then we get to November 23rd and we get more inquiry stuff. However, something happened. This is like how low the bar is for like interesting things are for him to talk about for the inquiry. So this is the thing that he's going to focus on for this day. I'll just play the clip. Well, let me show you this text message exchange between Lametti and Mendocino. You need to get the police to move. Oh, I-, I didn't know that politicians directed the police. At least they're not supposed to in a democracy. And the Canadian Armed Forces, if necessary. Oh, oh, really? So we deploy our military against peaceful domestic citizens. Our military that's trained to kill enemy soldiers designed to fight foreign governments. We're going to deploy that against, against bouncy castles and hot tubs, are we? Against men, women, and children, are we? Completely peaceful. Order the cops to intervene. Order the army to intervene. So... He has this, like, text exchange. It's just such a small text exchange. The rest of the episode, honestly, is just him going, they were going to send tanks! Tanks to crush the trucker people! All based on that text exchange, which was just, like, an MP going, send the, send, we got to do something, send the military. That's it. <laughs> yeah, like... I don't know, it's a like, oh, wow, we're the feds, and there are certain forces that are under federal control, the military being one of them. But this this was like, you, you gotta like, it's funny like for him to hyperanalyze these texts, because these weren't like formal discussions. This yeah. was like, in the moment, things are happening, and one of the person was like, we gotta do something, send the military. You know, mm-hmm. it's just such a like, it's not like they had a formal, like, we're going to, like, now plan, and here's, like, here's the number of tanks we're going to bring in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we know none of that happened. 
So it's like, he uses this, though, to, like, make it sound like the liberals had this plan to, like, crush protesters with tanks. And it's like, if that were the case, where were the tanks? Where were, <laughs> where are all the dead truckers that got ran over by the tanks, murdered by the Canadian military? Like, it, th like this is how desperate he is with the Emergency Act inquiry to have something of, like, substance to be like, oh my god, they're terrible people. So they're, like, relying on these, like, cherry-picked moments in these, like, texts that were released to the public, given the, the inquiry, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and again, this has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not the Emergency Act was justified, you know? And, like, I think that there's reasonable debate on that, and we'll find out eventually whether or not the inquiry concludes that it was justified or not. But, like, th like that's, that's it. That's <laughs> there was nothing explosive, you know? It's not, like... We didn't learn that the liberals had a secret plan to, like, murder people in the street. Like, none of that came to fruition. And so they have absolutely nothing to work on except for, like, a single text exchange with Medicino. <laughs> Gotta have something. So he then gets to the interview segment and he talks to Janine Yunus. Again, uh, ex-leftist who works for a... Coke-funded libertarian law firm. And I guess there's some lawsuit where they're going after Biden for the administration putting, like, pressure on Microsoft and, like, social media companies uh, for suppressing, like, COVID misinformation or something. And from what I understand, I, I don't, like, I wondered if it was related to, like, there was a an Intercept article that came out recently about that stuff. And I don't think it is, but... Part of me is just like, uh, I, I, I don't know, and, and I kind of don't care. Like, I, it's complicated, but, like, COVID killed a lot of people. And so, like, I can understand the government wanting to find some way to, you know, limit the spread of harmful misinformation regarding COVID. Uh, although I am also keenly aware of government overreach and what that could... Uh, mean for the future if you allow them to just uh, put pressure on companies to, to silence them on this sense. So, sure. Sure. But e either way, they had a whole conversation about that. Not really that uh, in-depth about the specifics of what she's doing, so it's kind of hard for me to, like, pick it apart. But then, at the very end of the interview, Ezra says something that, like, took me a like, like, I was just like, what? <laughs> so I'll play it for you. <laughs> this is how Ezra ends the uh, the segment with Janine. Just crazy stuff up here. Janine, you wouldn't even believe it. The College of Physicians and Surgeons in Ontario now has advice to doctors that if they face someone who is hesitant about vaccines, that they should prescribe sedation. They should give oh, that person God. psychiatric drugs uh, or or basically... Basically, give them a Valium to overcome their thoughtful objection. There's terrifying things going on here. So, if you're afraid of needles, like that's it. Well, that at the very end, that is what the guidelines were. But they're not even so. This is like where it gets like weird because I was like, how do I even like search this to figure out like what was going on? And I eventually stumbled onto where this piece of misinformation comes from. And it comes from a dude named William Mackis, who is an MD, 
Uh, although he's an MD out of Edmonton, and his main field of interest is uh, basically radiology. Radiology. He like does nuclear imaging for cancer patients. Is pretty much his area of expertise. So why he's talking about recommendations for Ontario physicians uh, seems weird. But that's where it comes from. It then became like a viral TikTok where he like messages about this. And I found a fact check by uh, PolitiFact where they interviewed a spokesperson for the Ontario College of Physicians. And they said that it was in uh, a portion of their website that was just an FAQ. And it was directly relating to what is called trypanophobia, which is a fear of needles. So they're like, if you're afraid of getting needles, here, like, have, here's some psychotherapy and possibly some anti-anxiety medicine. And somehow yeah. that got taken to mean that they were going to sedate people who like had had objections to like ethical or philosophical objections to vaccines. Yeah, no, and it is very much like you know, you hear the statement and you can instantly figure out what is actually going on. Like it, like no shit. Like, yeah, that's a pretty common thing if you're afraid of needles is to just get like some sort of like meds to help you get over that. Like, like it, it's the same thing with like, oh, you know, looking away if you're getting your blood drawn or like, you know, not watching the needle go in like it's just like okay yeah you're uncomfortable with this let's ease the discomfort so that you can still get the whatever yep it, like like it's so simple it's so but all it took was a cancer imager from edmonton to go no you see it's a trick to like give psychotherapy to people who don't want a vaccine because they think it's created by COVID people to brainwash you or something. <laughs> Got him. Uh, it's also worth noting that William Mackis uh, has actually been interviewed by Tamara Ugolini on Rebel News before. So it's either they saw the viral TikTok and that's where Ezra got this information or they got it straight from the horse's mouth because he appeared on Rebel News. So great, great for them. But I also, like, I want to know from their perspective what they thought was going to happen. <laughs> like, you know, uh, did they think that the Ontario physicians would be, I don't know, like, hunting down anti-vax people, like, hiding out in their homes and being like, here's Valium and, like, <laughs> or here's some psychotherapy. <laughs> like, how would this even work in practice in their minds as, like, a conspiracy? Like... They're going to hunt down the anti-vaxxers in their homes. And like, I don't know. Because otherwise it's like, if they're showing up to the doctors to get the vaccine, they're not the people you're talking about. And those are the people the doctors are talking about. Because the doctors are prescribing Valium and psychotherapy to people who want the vaccine but are hesitant for anxiety reasons, right? Nope. You go in to the doctors uh, for any other reason and they have a trank gun hiding yeah. around the corner. <laughs> We're going to sedate you. Yeah, and it's it's an automatic one, so it's actually the doctors and nurses have to duck every time that they go into the doorway so they don't get tranked as well. Well, they, um, it, Yeah, because they'll see on your list that you haven't got the COVID shot, and then they automatically just like, boom! And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you walk into the office and they get you. 
It's like even the conspiracies that they concoct, like they just don't work in a <laughs> in the world. They they make no sense. But some they're just like, doesn't that sound weird and, and like mysterious? Now we get to November twenty fourth, and nothing much happened on this day. Ezra admits they were wrong. oh oh so something big actually does happen. It's just it wasn't worth me clipping anything from it. They had to retract a story that they printed on their actual website where they accused some Toronto star, some guy associated with the Toronto star as being the dude at the uh, uh, the actual event in February uh, at the trucker convoy who was the one who was flying the Nazi flag. And they got this information directly from the lawyer representing Freedom Corporation, which is the... Uh, I guess the the legal entity that represents the truckers at the emergency act inquiry. So their lawyer was grandstanding and making this claim that he found out who the Nazi flag guy was and that it was this Toronto Star reporter and that like this proves that it was a fake that somehow I don't even know if the dude was a reporter but either way somehow this dude was involved and that therefore it shows that the thing was a fake and it was a setup etc. Turns out it wasn't this guy. This guy couldn't have done it because it wasn't even in Ontario at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and the information that it was this guy came from some dude who claimed to have talked to the Nazi flag guy on the day of the, the rally. Even though there's a video of that same guy saying the opposite. <laughs> that like it was some dude trying to equate Trudeau with Nazism. That was the argument he made on the day of. And now mm -hmm. he's claiming it was this other guy who worked for the Toronto Star. So he has conflicting testimony. But anyways, they blasted it all over social media. And so Ezra, of course, published a story on it. Uh, or not Ezra himself, but it got posted on the, the Rebel News site. And then they were like, oopsie, we have to make a retraction because I guess they want to cover their bases so they don't get sued by this Toronto Star dude. But it's just so... I remember the day, too, that this was, like, breaking on social media because everyone started claiming uh, that the, the guy holding the Nazi flag kind of looked like the lawyer from Freedom Corps. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of people trying to say, like, no, it was really him this whole time. Uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. The whole thing is fucking ridiculous. And the fact that, like, again, they, they were so eager. They're so eager to explain away the existence of this Nazi flag at their rally, that they're willing to jump on just such an obviously bullshit story and then immediately look foolish for doing so and having to retract it. So I guess, like, kudos for them for retracting it, at least being honest on that front. But it's like they... You, I get the feeling they're only being honest because they probably would have been sued if they weren't honest about it. I don't know. It's so, like, it's so easy to just be like, damn, that person sucked. They didn't belong where we were. Um, they, like, that they were flying this, like, symbol of hate is, like, like, shows that they are totally misunderstanding what we stand for, yada, yada, yada. You know, like, you can make, you know, that one car rally that happened locally for Palestine uh, in I don't remember if it was 2020 or 2021, where it was like someone showed up with a Nazi flag flying in their car and 
seems like nobody noticed on the day of, but then photos came out of it later, very similarly, kind of, right? Where it's like, people claimed to, oh, we didn't even know that there was a Nazi flag, and then the news reported on it. Um, And everyone was like, ew, fuck that dude. He didn't belong, like, they didn't belong there, shouldn't have been, like, a thing, and, like, we totally condemn it and like aren't that's not us that's not at all like what we stand for blah 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 do that like just don't try to make excuses for it don't try to like you know be like oh it secretly wasn't us or whatever there was a shitty person at your rally just say there was a shitty person at your rally and move on I think the problem is that they're all shitty people, so they have to make it into a conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, that, like that's exactly it. It's, and they can't distance themselves too much from it because then they might lose some of their base. But I also have to reflect on like, again, Ezra promoted Kanye West and all that stuff, and then now has to eat it because it turns out that like. Kanye was going way more mask off than he was expecting. But it's like, I don't know, like you go through the history of Ezra and it like even in his book Shakedown, when he was defending a bunch of people and they all happened to be Nazis who he was defending, like literal neo-Nazis. But he just mm-hmm. doesn't mention that in his book because he, I don't know, doesn't think it's relevant or whatever. And it's like, at what point do you just like uh, have to like self-reflect and go, why is it that all these people who agree with me on a lot of issues all happen to be Nazis? What is going on here? <laughs> you know? And of course it'll never happen because like they have to constantly say that like the Nazis were the bad guys. So, so clearly we're not them. It just so mm-hmm. happens that there's constantly Nazis around for some reason. Yeah. Now, the the interview segment was with Alexa, and it was about more convoy stuff, and it was, there was nothing there. It was, like, them going, oh, like, they did this, and, like, the they did this was, uh, you know, they were noticing some stuff happening down at the convoy, and the police did something that was just so benign. (laughs) And none of it is we're talking about. Like, there's seriously nothing there. But the last day, November 25th, and we finally get something to talk about but even then nothing so this was the day that uh justin trudeau showed up for uh his testimony for the emergency act inquiry and so this is supposed to be the big finale they finally get to like see trudeau under pressure he's gonna get a barrage of questions and uh they're so pumped that like ezra and sheila gunn reed do the whole episode just like analyzing clips that they've gotten from the the Trudeau's testimony. And uh there was nothing there. There, <laughs> there was nothing really for them to clip. I, I kept one clip, which you'll see. Like this is the most emotional Ezra gets by something that Trudeau says. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play the clip uh of Trudeau talking that they played, and then we can hear Ezra and Sheila's response to it. But this is like this is the ex- this is like their big gotcha that they they get from this inquiry. I'm wondering if you can describe if someone asked you um, when did the Emergencies Act come into play as a possibility, uh, how, how would you answer that? 
as, as an idea, um, it would have been from the very beginning in the back of our minds. As you see a situation that um, is an emergency, is out of control, is has a potential for real impact on citizens, potential for violence, uh, real concerns about what's going on, not just in Ottawa, but right across the country. Uh, at the Coots blockade that started up uh, on the same first weekend uh, that the Ottawa uh, occupation did. These are the things that um, you say, okay, as we look at a whole range of potential outcomes in this, there might be a moment where we have to invoke the Emergencies Act. Yeah, if he was talking about this from the very early moment, it wasn't because there was violence or danger. There never was any violence. No. It wasn't even because of disruption. It was just he hated the sight of working class, Western, hardworking, yeah. blue collar folks getting a little uppity. And how dare you? Um, protests are for college leftists. Protests are for uh, Peter Pan men who never grow up like um, Stephen Gilbo. Protests aren't for working men. Know your place. Deliver me my stuff. Deliver me my Amazon package or my DoorDash meal. Working men, deliver. you're a delivery boy. Know your place, delivery mm -hmm. boy. That's, that's why he thought of going to martial law right from the beginning. I, I don't think... Like Black Lives Matter, that actually was disruptive. It rioted in a dozen American sure. cities. I don't know more. Shut down train tracks. Those actually were disruptive. He never for a second thought of martial law in those cases because those were his allies and friends. I don't know more was in fucking like 2011. I think he's extending it to the rail blockades as well. It all gets sort of yeah. like associated with I don't know more. I don't know. The, the whole thing is just kind of silly on its face because like they eventually like key in on the the word specifically that Trudeau uses which is like the potentiality of violence and I think mm -hmm. if you are to assess like Black Lives Matter uh, and the rail blockades in the Canadian context the potential for violence for this trucker convoy is a lot higher uh, especially coming from the protesters like there was no incident where uh, you know, when the rail blockades were happening, where the people blocking the rail were targeting other people with violence, they themselves became the target, especially like out uh, west, when some people in like Alberta were like going and like breaking down mm -hmm. the, the barricades that were set up and like causing confrontations. Or, or driving through them. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. we, the thing is like, if you strip it from the context, like, right... Or, like, if it's he's stripping, Ezra is stripping it from the context, but, like, in the real world, in our real context, right-wing violence is a thing that happens. And even though it didn't end up going to the extent at, like, the, the convoy rally in Ottawa, the potential was there. There was people mm -hmm. in that movement that were associated with a lot of right-wing terrorist groups. There was the potential of violence in Coots, let's not forget. Like, that ended up, uh, you know being i guess resolved peacefully thankfully but the potential was definitely there there was a stockpile of weapons that of course they never talk about on Ezra's show but it's it you know and trudeau even in his explanation goes on to talk about the guns that were missing from peterborough which was a big story at the time about like where those guns went and it turns out it ended up having nothing to do with the convoy but police didn't know that at the time so it's like 
nobody knew it at the time. So it's like you're left in this situation. It's like, is there a potential for violence here? I would say that it's increased compared, like, especially compared to Black Lives Matter in Canada, <laughs> in the Canadian context, you know? The other major difference is, like, the state's ability to, like, quell those protests. In, like, for Black Lives Matter, in Montreal, they, you know, they tear gassed them. Like, the cops went in and, like, started doing shit kind of immediately. Um, in the rail blockade protests in Ottawa, the RCMP had snipers set up on the roofs, like, doing Overwatch. That was never a thing with the convoy. Um, Wet'suwet'en was also cleared by the RCMP with, like, assault rifles, right? Like... If we're talking about, like, the levels of violence involved, you have to, like, you know, actually look at the at the violence that was done to, like, quell protests in both of these cases. The difference being that, one, like, the occupation in Ottawa wasn't being dealt with by the police. So, you know, then you have to escalate things. Or, you know, the state has to escalate things because they want to deal with this. And then two, like, like, yeah, like, it would be a different story if the cops had actually gone in with assault rifles or snipers because those people were talking about, like, overthrowing the Canadian state. Like, that's, there is a huge difference between both, like, the state's reaction to it and the state's capacity to deal with it as well, because it's like... In and most as you cases, put the, the local and the police goals. forces, yeah. yeah, um, the local police forces were adequate, are generally adequate for left wing protests because they get the go ahead to commit violence on them immediately. That didn't happen in the case of Ottawa, and that didn't happen in the case of Coots, and that didn't ca- happen in the case of Windsor because the cops were sympathizers. And I bet that also was like part of the thinking of like, oh, can we actually trust the local police forces? to do their jobs and obviously they couldn't so yeah like like it's just it's such a totally different situation that it's such a silly like thing to be like oh wow and you know i bet they did plan for it for the rail blockades like i bet that was part of the contingency planning it just didn't end up happening because the police and right-wing violence were enough to break things down and then COVID happened like I don't know, it's just like, wow, different situations are different, and... I would say, too, like, like the one piece that... It's kind of, like, suggested in what you're saying, even though, like, I do agree, like, the police were sympathetic, uh, especially some of the local police and whatnot, but, like, there's also an element of, like, the unpredictability of what the convoy wanted to accomplish and what they could accomplish, and the, the possibility of them being armed in some capacity that does make it different in compared to like disrupting a left-wing protest where you know those elements are not going to be there. And that's not to say that like what the police and uh, the government's slowness to move in all this was like good. They probably could have done a better job at it. But like I can understand at least from a, a like a strategic point of view from their position of like how to approach it would be kind of like h- how do you approach this so that like you don't uh, I guess, like, agitate them enough to get, like, a possible shootout or something, right? Uh, it's a different dynamic that they might not be used to, uh, considering that 
those far right people don't agitate in this uh, larger capacity often, you know? I mean, I don't know. Like, I kind of disagree with that one, too, because look at what the Canadian state's response to Oko was. They were armed. The Mohawk were armed there, you know? Like, they had guns. There was shooting. Yeah. I... They sent in the army, you know? They they dealt with it. Like, <laughs> No, like, and, and again, like... It... These comparisons always get tricky because they're it's they're, they are different things, you know. Like I yeah. think their their caution and care in Ottawa as compared to in Oka, uh, there's a there's a different thing going on there too that off well has to do with race and being anti-indigenous. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so but it's that's, like yeah, that that's back to the sympathizer thing, right? Like you know, if you can't look at a white face and draw your gun, yeah. Hmm. That's that says something. Like, if you can't do basic traffic control because they're white, like yeah, no, that no, says something. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you've won me over. I was trying to be <laughs> like I I think those concerns were there, but the the concerns manifest themselves in a different way because of the racial sympathies that you're talking about. So it's like yeah. But like either way, the 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 fact that like they're latching on to this idea that like Trudeau early on was already thinking about the Emergency Act, when like what we're talking about right here is that like even if early on Trudeau was thinking about the Emergency Act, it's not like they moved on it swiftly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like what was it? Two weeks into this thing before finally like the the thing got put out there, like. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like weird that this is the gotcha that like all along Trudeau wanted to do it, and it's like, well, then why did he wait so long? Yeah, and like he didn't even do it in a cool way, you know. Like he wasn't, he didn't do a just watch me. He didn't do a <laughs> like, you know. With Quebec, they sent in the fucking military again. Like they placed a whole province under military occupation. Nothing, nothing of the sort happened this time around. You know, like I don't know. I mean, I like I honestly didn't get any insight from the inquiry either about like why decisions were made when they were made. Like it just seemed like no one knew what the fuck to do with this. You know, which is like fair. I wouldn't know what the fuck to do with it either. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it, I I think that like reflects on like if you were just stumbling around, like why use this one heavy-handed thing even though was it heavy-handed like i still don't even know this is weird we've had an inquiry we've had all this time what did it really give them other than the only thing that i i know they talk about a lot is like the freezing of the bank accounts but like did they did they really need it to disrupt the the protest because it seems like there's disagreement about that so yeah i I don't know no they needed a symbolic thing of like look we're doing something and this is what they did like that that's kind of it but then that also shows you how kind of like what is the emergency act then really if just like a symbolic gesture of like we've now reached the stage of emergency (laughs) yeah which is why like i think i said this back when it was happening too that there was a lot of left-wing people that had like a pushback to the emergency act and i i have always been of the opinion that it's like i i almost don't care like it it really didn't do anything (laughs) 
it's it's the same as like the declaring a climate emergency shit right where it's just like oh emergency time and then like nothing really changes like or they just keep doing what they were planning to do anyways like it's all it's about the symbolism of it more than the actual like what it leads to yeah and you know people across the country were like why the fuck aren't you doing anything and so they were like emergency act (laughs) we're doing something see it's got emergency in the name we voted on something and everything look at us look at us do stuff yeah no i i i yeah that's that's at least where i'm i'm ending this thing but we'll we'll end the actual show in that uh they they end their discussion because they found another text uh one of these texts that was between someone and trudeau and in the text, the person tells Trudeau that they found a picture on the ground at the convoy that compared that it said Trudeau is Hitler on the poster. Uh, and so this person sent this text to Trudeau. And so Ezra and Sheila riffed on the fact that they found this text. Although I will say they never talk about whether Trudeau responded to this text message or anything. So just think this is them going off on it where it's just somebody telling trudeau that this poster exists <laughs> i would love to be the person just sending e- trudeau every shitty thing that's ever said yeah. <laughs> uh and that's your job yeah well let's this would be the fruits of that job if you had it and about using the word hitler the word nazi Justin Trudeau is allowed to call working class Canadians, conservatives, skeptics, even calls us Nazis. His disgraced former advisor, Gerald Butts, called us Nazis. I'm Jewish, by the way. So you can say Nazi when you're criticizing a conservative, even though it's completely not true. But God forbid someone who calls the martial law imposer the I most admire communist China for their basic dictatorship. God forbid you call the the sainted one, you call dear leader a Nazi. Well, that is a dire protest indeed. And we'd better bring in martial law to stop those proles from getting the wrong idea. Their protest is too dire, Sheila. And you're allowed to call people Nazis, but you're only allowed to call the little people and conservatives Nazis. Never call Trudeau a Nazi or he'll invoke martial law. Don't you know the rules? You know, Ezra, I used to think that the concept of white male fragility was just a leftist thing. Like, Mm. I just thought that that was just a leftist thing that they leveled at conservatives all the time. But I'm witnessing it firsthand here from Justin Trudeau. He was fine to call people all those names. And the second he turned, it was turned back on him. His ego was so fragile, he couldn't handle it. And he used the most extraordinary powers of the state to silence them. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Again, it was a text exchange and there was no evidence that like Justin Trudeau responded to it. But they like they get this one text ex- exchange and then pile on this like psychoanalysis. <laughs> like the only reason Trudeau implemented the Emergency Act is because someone in the protest dare compared him to Twitler. Twitler? Hitler. <laughs> My wires are getting crossed here. Oh. Yeah, it was just so 
pointless. But this is the thing. They have nothing. This was like their big finale. Justin Trudeau was there, and this is all they have? It's nothing. They they wasted all this money on an Airbnb. <laughs> they ran coverage nonstop on this fucking thing. And this is all they have. That's great. I'm so happy for that. Like, like that really does make me happy that they wasted so much money for nothing. I even like like I've, the one thing out of that passage too, where he's like Trudeau even called us this, but then he realized that Trudeau himself has never called them a Nazi, so it was oh it was Gerald Butts <laughs> calling us Nazis on his behalf because Gerald Butts was his advisor, so therefore when Gerald Butts calls, calls us Nazis, it's Trudeau calling us Nazis. True, doe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God help us. Take vitamin D. You recommended vitamin Um, D last time. Give us another vitamin. Yes. B12, uh, eat some fresh veggies, uh, get your vitamin C, eat some fresh fruit, some fresh meat, some fresh, you know, whatever. Munch on a few carrots and ingest that vitamin A. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say, I don't think carrots have that much vitamin C. Um, Vitamin A. What else can you do? Yeah. Um, Chug down some canola oil for that vitamin E. Um, Helps your hair. yeah (laughs) (laughs) we've been busy a lot lately Um, so there's uh you know print off uh (laughs) pictures of uh justin trudeau's face and hang them on your wall because apparently he is our dear leader um i think that would be so funny just like the panic every time there's an election of like trying to switch the faces um of who the dear leader is yeah who the new (laughs) prime minister is um just like every time they're like they lose office like ceremonial ceremonially just like going to smashing the picture <laughs> um it would be cooler if we had some sort of like you it, it, like passage of leader in our country where it's like uh you know every time we elect a new leader we burn the effigy of like the old leader <laughs> like some kind of like symbolic like destruction of the old regime yeah, that'd be fun yeah, and they do that on Parliament Hill as, like, the transfer of power. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I lo- that's way better than whatever silly coronation-type ceremonies we have nowadays, you know. What I'm saying is our, our traditions need more all of violence. their, like, you know, everything, like, their tie, their, like, the little lapel pin. I don't know what, what symbols prime ministers get these days. Um... If they get a sword, they got to toss that in the fire. You lost. You don't get your sword anymore. Um, like there used to phone. be, <laughs> there used to be holidays in like the 1800s where they would just like burn a leader in effigy as like the holiday and like march in the street. And like, we don't have holidays like that anymore. We're like, I think we need to bring it back. You know, we, if we're talking about getting voters engaged, 
<laughs> Burning effigies is the way to do it. And if you want to get us engaged, <laughs> and you enjoy and support what we're doing, uh, please consider giving us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash Imperial News. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News of a Z. We have a Discord set up. We do Twitch streams occasionally. Uh, I've been really busy, so that hasn't been happening much. I plan on making a YouTube video, so we have that as well. And you can find all the links in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beach. You can find his work at masontickle.com. Thank you for listening. And please visit the website trudeauis.com where you can pay us to print posters of Trudeau as anyone you want. You want uh, Trudeau is a house plant? You can have that. You want, uh, I mean, you could go for the classic Trudeau is Hitler, but like we printed a lot of those. <laughs> Don't you want to be unique? Don't you want to have, <laughs> come up with the new Trudeau comparison? Trudeau is a Marquis de Sade. <laughs> I don't know. Think of anyone in history you want. The world is your Trudeau. Destroy every bridge you see. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.